Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room number 435 for the week of Wednesday, June 28th. And on that day in 1996, a remake of The Nutty Professor starring Eddie Murphy was released and uh, would forever be the subject of Eddie Murphy and uh, looking down on uh, obese people. Uh, going Do you think forward. it looks down on obese people? Is that a hot take to think that it doesn't? I mean... I feel like it celebrates the clumps. Hercules! I mean, mean, maybe it does. Uh, I also thought Shallow Hal was kind of weird, but not as offensive, and then people have turned me around on that. So if people are offended by the Nutty Professor, I definitely give them the room for that. It's not an essential movie. I mean, people can be offended by whatever. I'm offended by Dr. Doolittle more than that. uh, Just the concept? Just the whole, don't talk to animals. You bastard. I guess that's smart. It's going to be a different kind of show this week because it's just me and Patches (laughs) here in the war room. Uh, It kind of started out like a regular show, though. You did did an opening. Yeah. We're playing it cool. We are. are. Uh, We're going to do our best to not uh, cancel the podcast or each other during uh, this show. (laughs) Harder on the ladder. Days, yeah, we'll because see. Patches has a s- s- quote-unquote sophisticated style uh, structure for this show, which means <laughs> we're just going to be I'm talking. Not... Yeah, we're just rambling on. Act- we're going to be b- chit-chatting. Before we get into your actual prompts you prepared, uh, remind people who might not know when we say uh, the sophisticates, what are we referring to? Oh, wow. Uh, do I even know anymore? I mean, it was an old podcast that may have been on, supported by our our feed, but never on proper on our feed. Something I did with a bunch of schmoes back in the day. You were on an episode of Sophisticates. I was. I like the I think you talked about like the color red as a flavor, I think was mm-hmm. our discussion topic. It was very it was about the mundane, um, which is a place I like to go. Because I feel like maybe an improv brain. I like to start with a, a prompt, <laughs> a, an audience question and then get there naturally. Um right. But yeah, that is that's been done for so long now. But we do reference it on this podcast every so often uh, because I guess we enjoy the legacy. You do, not Katie or David. We never do this when they're around. I guess we've done some <laughs> mini segments where we're just asking shoot from the hip questions that are on our minds. But the, this surely is more there of a people, you and I thing. Yeah, surely there are people out there who listening to Fighting in the War Room who love all of us, but also appreciate just a podcast with two people talking. And nobody typing while the other person's talking. And I hope to deliver that to you. <laughs> this That's what we can promise you and give you this episode. <laughs> no background typing in the episode. I'm going to put my keyboard even further away than I normally do. Just to make sure there's no typing during this episode. Dave, <laughs> how's, your, how's your week been? How's, what's happening in the world? You were not uh, on a submarine down by the Titanic last week. I was so not you, on a submarine last week. You are walking and living and thriving. Uh, You're last not drinking weekend. a Baja Blast. No, I am. It's, it's right oh, here. I'm sorry, you are drinking Baja Blast. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna stop trolling you. That's ocean you. water there. That's the that's the stuff. 
Um, yeah, so last weekend I uh, got to meet my youngest cousin, who is four. Uh, they uh, previously lived in Japan, and uh, now they've moved to San Diego. And the, they were the, the, in... the four-year-old used to live in Japan, and now lives in San Francisco. Is San it Diego. Boss Baby? San Diego. Sorry. Like, uh, are they on I'd... their own? Sorry, it's my uncle and my aunt and his uh, four-year-old son. Uh, but yeah, I he has uh, children by a previous marriage. Uh, all three of them are like graduated from college, so the fact that he wanted to give it another it shot again. and got yeah and got a boy this time, which I'm sure pleases him, because uh, the other ones are uh, three beautiful, smart girls. Um, yeah, I got to meet him, and I knew that was coming up, and so I was very excited about it. Uh, good news, I'm very good around four through six-year-olds. He loves Grogu, he loves The Mandalorian, uh, he likes Bluey, and we had lots to talk about. Um, and then also, surprisingly, uh, my other cousins, one of which uh, lives here in Colorado, and her sister lives in California, the sister came to visit with her husband, so... I also did, uh, I went to New York, or Denver Pride with them, and uh, went to the uh, Rockies versus Angels uh, baseball game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so I just did Do you like all baseball? the visiting fa family. I can't see Do you I at a baseball game. I can't. What? Are you, I can't see you at a baseball game. Are you a I baseball like guy? I mean, you, you're not like rooting for baseball teams in your spare time. Oh, I'm not anymore. You'll attend a, a baseball game because you're an all-American Hot dog chomping, Baja blast sipping. Well, I like played the Little League. I played T ball into Little League. Um, and then I think I stopped that right about when I got into middle school. But also, Colorado Rockies are an expansion team. Their first uh, season was in 1993. Like, it was a big deal for Colorado to get a baseball team. So my family had season tickets from season one oh, wow. through 2002. Um, so I've watched a lot of baseball. I like that you called it season one of yeah. baseball. Season one of Colorado Rockies baseball, for sure. You know, they're still figuring out the format, but by season two, the Rockies were in full swing. I was there when Dinger was birthed out of an egg, the first appearance of the mascot, our mascot Dinger. Uh, that was wow. a pretty fun experience. So it's more like, I don't, I like baseball when it's live. It's... A huge communal experience it has some of my favorite well as opposed to like on tv uh and for a brief period of time i would fall asleep uh listening to uh different baseball games on the radio because one of my mom's ways of getting us all involved in baseball games was we learned how to keep score so we would all kind of learn how to keep score on the traditional baseball method you would yeah, fall asleep I... as a kid to listening to baseball on the radio yeah, and picturing saying. how I'd be able to keep the score based on this is just a much not better, the game. more intelligent thing to fall asleep to than what I used to fall asleep to, which was AM talk radio with uh, such culprits as G. Gordon Liddy and Bill O'Reilly. Um, I mean, you probably got a uh, shape me? more I both don't know. sides, a more both sides ish view. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a. I was probably an Alex P. Keaton, six to eight year old, uh, listening to fucking eight AM radio. Mm -hmm. um, I bet you I had should... a completely different view of Newt Gingrich. I didn't own I did. any bow ties, though. I was not wearing bow ties, and I was not leading any Republican groups in elementary school. I, yeah, I was not interested in the politics. I just 
was like, these guys are loudmouths and they're they're putting me to sleep. Uh, yeah, so that's the condemnation I have to serve. They I miss me I miss to sleep. I miss the morning shows on FM radio where they give like three ungodly hours uh, to like one or more people that would have to like wake up and depending on the station brand, like meet that station brand. So there's like a rock station where they just have to like wake up and be high energy. And they're like, we're here for Metallica. It's Metallica Monday. It's 545 a.m. And then, you can still uh, kind of get that, I think. If you have yeah, yeah. XM radio, you can tune in and listen to the pop hit station and they're prank calling people and talking well, about going on dates and whatever. It's funny because I thought that would, that would possibly be an interesting job to have. And look at us now. We'll look at what we're doing. So I'm glad I could make that happen for myself. Uh, just at a, a, a more godly hour. I wish we could prank call someone. Jerky Boys morning radio style. From our podcast. Can we do that? Do we have the technology? I, I don't, don't know how comfortable <laughs> I would be doing that. Uh, this, is a, this is a pop culture podcast. So I don't know. I mean... It would be oh, funny could, to call David and he's not actually doing anything right now. That would be hilarious. But we could, we could be like, hey, your refrigerator's running. And they'd be like, no, it's not because I'm inside of it, escaping from a nuke. I'm Indiana Jones. Oh, we called Indiana Jones. No, it's not because I'm Supergirl and the Flash and this is where I belong in the fridge. I'm in the fridge. Oh. Dang. Hey. A lot of fridging. Lots of fridging. So hey. much fridging this season. I this almost season. segued to Indiana Jones. I guess we yeah. should talk about. You have seen the new Indiana Jones film. You've seen I have, yeah. The Dial of Destiny. Yeah, yeah. It'll be coming out uh, for everybody tomorrow. Yeah, I've been avoiding this one like the plague. I've had multiple chances of seeing it in advance. I have not in preparation for this podcast. I thought I would, but I am... Man, I'm bumming, Dave. Is it, bumming is it scheduling, or is it just... You're just... Well, was the, did it was the scheduling the first time. You there was uh, there was Canadian wildfire smoke in the air the first time mm. I was going to go see it. And I'm like, I, I don't need to inhale this for a, man, a James Mangold film. The whole so world likes, looks like a Drew Struzan poster. I don't need to go yeah. see one. I did not need that haze. Uh, the second time was after I had heard everyone talking about it. And I was just feeling so down. I mean, to, to be, let our listeners know, they should go read David's review of the film out of can he did not care for indiana jones and the diet of mm -hmm. destiny but he is also whack uh he loves kingdom of the crystal skull a movie that i think has gained a bit of reputation back since it appalled audiences in uh, i want to say 2008 i'm not looking at the the scorecard, the timeline, the scorecard timeline. That, that, that um, sounds about right-ish, I guess. But, yeah, it's been a long time since we got a new Indiana Jones, and when we got Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it had been a long time since Last Crusade. Uh, and I remember exactly where I was seeing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't know about you, but I could not have been more excited for Spielberg to come back and do a fourth Indiana Jones with a, at the time, I thought too old. Harrison Ford, so I'm mm -hmm. excited to hear how that goes in this new one, but um, I was at the Ziegfeld Theater in New York, a palace uh, yeah. opening night, the whole place was packed, which it never is, because there was a bazillion seats in there, and the crowd was raucous, and you could just, almost immediately, like after the nuke stuff, which is astonishing, but 
it it's goofy from the minute one. Like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull opens with the the gopher popping out of the Paramount mountain hole, and um, it's pretty downhill from from there. It's not a good time at the movies for for me. Kate uh, Blanchett does her her villainess performance, and and that has some flavor, but just not memorable at all. Uh, years and years mm. behind us, and um, and I just didn't think. Like the the chase scene at the around the college, that's kind of fun. Mutt Williams, Shia, he's got some greaser, good greaser energy, I guess. But mm. yeah, that movie, I was just in a room where it was a toxic. It was poisoning all of us with every second that passed. The moaning and the groaning and the jeers. I just will never forget everyone being completely dissatisfied. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I was talking to a colleague earlier this week um, about how the the Disney Plus transfer Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has been kind of recolor graded, or it doesn't look exactly the no. same. And they kind of like took the piss out of it. Literally, it was a very yellow hued film. Um, and my, and my memories does serve that, but uh, I guess it's not as much in whatever version it transfers living on Disney Plus. And this guy said. You know, he thought it was, he looked a lot better. So I'm kind of eager to revisit it. I know David loves Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but long way around to not necessarily sure I, when he loves Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and hates Style Destiny, I don't know where I'm going to fall, but I will say a lot of other friends of the podcast have not enjoyed Style of Destiny. And I'm, I'm a pretty hit or miss guy with, with James Mangold. I don't, I know people love Ford versus Ferrari. Um, mm-hmm. not sure where you stand on that one. Thought that was a pretty long, boring dad movie, which I, I'm not into car racing, so that wasn't going to be. For me, I think Logan is overrated. I'm going to get some hate mail for that, but like, <laughs> okay, he says fuck, and ble- people bleed. Uh, it's so, so heavy, yeah. Drama, Logan. I actually think The Wolverine is the better movie, which is also James Mangold doing the, the Japanese story. Um... But yeah, uh, pretty hit or miss with Mangold. I like 310 to Yuma, I guess. Yeah. Topland is okay. I hated those 2000 with like identity. Ooh. Walk the line. No thanks. But so I, I did not get excited when Spielberg handed him the baton here. So as I vomit up all these takes, I'm curious where you stand right. going into it and then how it all, how it all worked out because I'm going to see this tomorrow night no matter what. So oh, good. <laughs> let's see if I'm excited. Uh, so I got to see it after the can reviews uh, came out and uh, read David's reviews and some other reviews. Uh, those are not good uh, or their views of it. They did not like it. Um, and so I was bracing myself for another Kingdom of the Crystal Skull experience. I don't know if I had jeers at my movie uh, as much as when I saw it, we just saw sort of. Everybody was very excited. We went in and we went out and nobody was really talking to each other uh, because that's the type of movie it was. I'm super happy that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and Harrison Ford got to get together and do another one because now I know that they have three good ones and one I don't care for, but at least they got to finish their tenure uh, on their own terms. The reason why I don't think Dial Destiny is that bad is I think James Mangold, by the nature of bringing in James Mangold as somebody who's seen the franchise from the outside, 
uh this has your franchise cheer moments uh you know the, the getting the hat back getting the whip back punching nazis uh the theme that has the john williams theme uh it has an entire john williams score that really is uh kicking ass in terms of picking up exactly where indiana jones left off but the movie itself james mangold made a great decision uh that it doesn't uh pretend like the last one that indiana jones isn't too old for this shit uh he's not going full-on murtok and saying it out loud but it is they're not putting him in action sequences where we're supposed to pretend like he's not really old and uh you know outrunning gunfire uh hopping do you think he's from... kind of doing connery in last crusade like that was connery's bit like oh indeed oh you know no i don't think so i think there's just an acknowledgement that uh the time of and so it starts off with an extended uh flashback sequence to like uh the end the ending of world war ii nazis are clearing out a store of a whole bunch of artifacts and Indy knows they belong in a museum, so there's a train chase. And so it gives you, hey, this is what the 1940 serial version of Indiana Jones is like. I'm going to say that sequence is about 70 to 80 percent uh, successful to me. But when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, it's just because you're distracted by a face uh, that is uh, just still slightly in the uncanny valley for some reason. Uh, well, actually, I have a theory of the reason, which is like, as soon as he puts on the hat in the flashback, it looks better. So I think when a, like a person ages, their nose and their ears keep growing. So if you were going to de-age somebody, you kind of remove the nose and the ears, build the face, and then put a smaller version of the nose on. So by the time he has the hat on and it's covering the bridge of his nose, the effect disappears for me and it looks perfect. And so I'm convinced they've gotten really close. Uh, it's just the, the slightest amount of de-aging uh, sizes. Uh, like, the effect looks great. Lucasfilm has all of the original film negatives from these, uh, the first three Indiana Jones movies. Actually, probably all four. Uh, but it's definitely what he has to match to here. So you get the Indiana Jones Sounds movie. Sounds like the, by the time they have to de-age Jake Scully in Avatar 5, uh, the Na'vi version of him, well, it'll look really good. Because they oh, yeah. That original Na'vi footage. I mean, um, but the thing that makes James Cameron different is he's going to rebuild it each time because why the fuck not? Uh, but he could. Yeah, he could. Um, <laughs> so the smart thing is they give you old Indiana Jones. You get just enough of it to have a little quick hit. And then the transition into the 60s where we are, uh, where Dial of Destiny takes place, um, is based around the con contrasting of that indie and this indie. What did he care about? Uh, what different things does he care about? How does he feel about people from his past? How does the world feel about Indiana Jones? It's a long way from one of his students writing, I love you on her eyelids. Uh, nobody's doing that to this cranky old man uh, who's teaching at Hunter College now. Um, and then the adventure kicks off, and wow, Indy that's gets... really kicking sand in the face of Hunter College at a fine Upper East Side Manhattan establishment. I mean, oh, I think it's fine. It's the just not department. It, yes, it is not. A, it is not a school of archaeology. Is the point? James Mangold. They... I'm pretty sure he's an NYU grad. <laughs> I mean, dragging anyway. Hunter College, that bastard. I think it's kind of location based uh, because of one of the early chase scenes, but I, I understand your. 
your hesitancy. Uh, but then the adventure kicks off, and uh, instead of being the one at the forefront of the chase uh, for a lot of the movie, uh, Indiana Jones is uh, chasing Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, who has her own sidekick. And so it doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones adventure until the only person who could fucking get it done is Indiana Jones. And that's uh, like partway through the movie, and I think Harrison Ford really steps up uh, into that, that position. So I really think, I don't, is it better than the original three? No, I don't think anyone's going to make that argument. But we can't have a fourth in the mold of the original three. I think that type of filmmaking uh, has changed enough that it would just feel like grasping at straws. So I think James Mangold did a really good job of giving us that little hit and then making the rest of the movie a sort of a contrast to that. And then if that doesn't work for you, the third act fucking goes there. Um, not quite aliens uh, frying Kate Blanchett's brain, but maybe narratively on that level of oh, view wow. of buy-in. Okay. Uh, you, got, you really got to buy into the end of this movie. And... I, when it, it started to turn and I'm like, oh, they're doing this. I was a turn. You mean the dial of destiny turns the dial turns. Yes. The dial turns. You are actually right. Once the dial starts turning, uh, it transitions into a different type of movie that I would have completely fallen out of the story for if Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller bridges and stick to the emotional core of this crazy stuff that's happening. And so unlike something like uh, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where all the characters sort of like return the Crystal Skull for a last act of things happening to the main characters, uh, there is an inflection point at the end of Dial of Destiny where Indiana Jones has to make one of the most important choices of his life. And it has little to do with the action and more to do with how we've come to understand this character and his relationship from uh you know that belongs in a museum to what how people view history now oh we'll see when indiana jones and the dial of destiny is out will indiana jones go back in time and kill baby hitler i think that's what we're all wondering will he use the dial of destiny i don't know anything about this movie to be clear so i have no spoilers i just assume it's about Time travel because the last one had aliens in it, and this one has a dial, and and uh, de aging in it. I just have it to does. Assume. It does seem we'll from the trailers, at least, that yes, there was Archimedes figured something out about time. Um, You've seen it. You can't hint. I mean, I'm only hinting in case people haven't seen it. Here's, the, I would like people to give this movie a try. This isn't the Flash. This movie isn't bomb, fast- though. Don't you think? Like, no one is here for Indiana Jones. No one cares about Indiana Jones the way they do about Star Wars. There's not a generation clamoring for Indiana Jones. I feel like this movie is destined to kind of bomb. It's sad. I mean, I don't... You might be right, but that's also part of why I think people should give it a chance. Yeah. Because, like, if if you are interested in Indiana Jones at all, this movie would like you to give it a chance. And I I think it's... Mangold deliver on the action. Is I mean Raiders is like the chases, the fights, yeah. and then Last Crusade trying to one up itself. I don't think anything is going to have the pace of Raiders, where even like some of the dialogue scenes feel like action scenes. But you can see this getting close. Uh, there's a oh, pretty amazing. There's a pretty amazing car chase. 
uh there's that is led up to by a pretty good uh action dialogue scene i guess uh, i would call it um there's i i think the supporting characters are all good and harrison ford meets them where they need to be uh there is one action sequence and i'll say action quote unquote uh, because it takes place underwater and you know things are slowed down a little bit i, I don't hope think it's we the need it bar fight from top secret where they're underwater swinging punches at each other is that my on not, the right track here not quite uh but this is this movie has a couple uh creature moments as indiana jones films do uh and one of the creature moments takes place underwater which is fine but there's water some sort snakes? of weird yeah eels is that what you call water oh. snakes uh <laughs> that's what i personally call water snakes yeah or i don't use the eels i feel it's derogatory i do feel like uh that the movie kind of wanted to have that scene and inserted an entirely new MacGuffin to have that scene and so there's a middle part of this movie that where you could kind of feel the sag but again it picks up uh when harrison ford's on screen being indiana jones um uh, putting him in a diver helmet not great um but yeah I, I I say it's a solid a solid B plus of a movie. I had a I had a pretty good time, and then I think they really figured out again how to ground the ending in a way that I don't feel like this is a betrayal of anything, oh. except uh. Uh, <laughs> they don't say much. But he is a key. His fate is a key part of the story. Uh, wow. To understand Indy's, Indy's, where Indy is uh, at the beginning of this movie. I was hoping for a shot similar to like Indy picking up his fedora, putting on his head, and being like, I'm Indiana Jones at the end of the movie. Mutt off, like just a hand picking up his leather jacket, getting you ready for the Mutt <laughs> spinoff. I um, uh, don't think that'll be happening, but you, you maybe... have piqued my interest. I have to say, I was feeling pretty down about it, and uh, I couldn't, I won't. I have to see the movie. Oh, I'm going to see the movie, but wasn't excited. Now I'm now I'm a little more excited. You got me. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. Uh this this does this is relevant to my uh sophisticates adjacent agenda here, mm-hmm. I will say. Um I was as I'm always brewing life's mundane questions and writing them down in my notepad and, and bringing them to the table. I didn't I didn't have a lot to pepper into this patches of dave episode um but it made me wonder like who else is on this wavelength with me and so i went to reddit despite all the protests and the just like ideological collapse happening over at reddit right now um Mm -hmm. the subreddits are are fine it's the people in charge who are maybe a little whacked out go read about that on various tech sites if you need to know more about the reddit controversies and and drama but uh i i went over to just ask reddit because I was like, what are the big questions that have powered through and become hot on, on Ask Reddit, where people just oh. ask questions? And now I want to uh-huh. ask Dave a few of Ask Reddit's big, sophisticates-friendly questions. I'll, I'll answer them, too, because I'm a, I'm a team player. But yeah. one of the first ones that I saw, and I, thought, I think this is relevant to Indiana Jones, which is people were asking, which famous, in quotes... So I guess that means latitude here. Which famous movie franchise is pretty much dead? What famous movie franchise is dead? <laughs> do you think? 
I think Indiana Jones, I don't know how you feel after this movie if like Phoebe Waller Bridge is coming back for more or if there's a Disney Plus spin-off potential here, but I don't know. If it bombs, I don't think so. I think Indiana Jones might be over. Yeah, Indiana Jones could be dead. I would agree with that. Um there's also the idea that you've brought up previously of zombie franchises where it's like they're dead, but you know, there'll be one out. I right. <clears throat> I saw I saw a trailer for my big fat Greek wedding three uh the other day yes that's uh, there's a expendables four coming out there's a meg two you know like do were those franchises ever meg alive two is one of my most anticipated movies of the year thank you yeah because much. it's weird not, not because the meg necessitated a sequel it's a ben wheatley film dave Are that's we... the most interesting thing about it let's go let <laughs> it's fucking go um I'm also terrified yeah. of giant underwater sharks, so uh, not for me, but I, I will see it because it's a Ben Wheatley movie. Th- this might be more in the undead category because it feels too good to say no to, but I was recently trolling Twitter this week mm-hmm. when I asked what it's like for everyone on the wrong side of history uh, when it comes to The Matrix Resurrections, a fantastic right. masterpiece of a movie. I was just curious what it's like to not get it and hate it, which many people do. Many people hate The Matrix Resurrections, as I have been told for the last, like, 72 hours. I'm an idiot. I'm I'm on the wrong side of history. There's no action. It, it's a five-minute joke stretched into a two-hour movie. You're a dunce. Matrix Resurrection sucks. These all people are all wrong, of course. Listen to our podcast on that from two <laughs> years ago. Wow. Um, but uh, the Matrix. Matrix is dead, I think. Yeah, I don't. Matrix I think the dead. Matrix had a, a ha, could cash in. Could have been a whole trilogy of new, like Agent Smith stories versus the real people in the real world fighting robots. Like you could have blown that out. They did not do that because they retained creative control and they closed the door. I think yeah. on the Matrix. It might be over. Yeah. Matrix I feel like is dead. That one I feel great about because the creators were like we're we'll do this and then they did it so individually uh that uh you know Lana Wachowski shut that door that they opened. So I'm that's that's fine with me. But I do agree with you Matrix is probably dead. Terminator I would guess is dead. No way. Uh You think there's going to be more Terminators? I definitely do. I, I, they can't stop. I don't know why, but they can't stop. Maybe a television show again, but it. Feels I mean, too I would be a television easy. show. Uh, it feels like uh, you think okay. in this AI moment that we're in that they're not going to try Terminator again, where like ChatGPT I mean, is Skynet. I think Skydance will just because Skydance can't help yeah, itself, exactly. right? Uh, but I. Do you think it will bomb again because yes. we have not had we have not had a Terminator <laughs> sequel and each one of them is trying to relaunch the franchise. So the problem is now, uh, how do you find an angle on Terminator that both feels like it's the Terminator, but doesn't cover the exact same fucking ground that one of the potential reboots had? I think that's a really tough uh, one to, to crack. Uh, I go to bat like, for Dark Fate, though. I think Dark Fate is pretty good. Dark Fate, they all have their charm except for Genesis. Uh, I'll say that. I like Genesis too. I was, I'm scum. I thought that movie was fun. It looks like, it looks like a red camera. It just looks so soft and digital. And but Amelia Clark is pretty good. 
I don't know. And you can't spell Genesis. J-E-N-Y-S-E-S? I don't That movie's garbage, but I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm a sad man. I mean, enjoying garbage movies is fine. I don't want to trash talk anybody's doing that. I'm wearing a Chopping Mall shirt right now, so obviously that, that's, that's in my wheelhouse. But in terms of like... So if you were to like sit down and try to pitch a Terminator movie to Skydance, you have to get a plot. You have to explain why it does or does not have old Arnold Schwarzenegger in it because you gotta grab those people pull it together. Does it have Linda Hamilton in it? I don't know. Like there are all these sorts of like questions of does it connect, does it not connect? Do we just start over? Like maybe remake? Maybe remake is the only way to go and change the uh the, finally break the, from continuity. The paradox. Yeah, yeah. Like well, I mean, they've been breaking from continuity a lot. Uh, ever, Genesis is just like, what if everything? Um, uh, but I, I don't think I. I would say Terminators. The dead. multiverse. Let's go. Go. It's <laughs> right multiverse. there. Oh, the multiverse. Uh, the the redditors think, cited Die Hard. That was one of the. Oh choices, yeah. Which yeah, that went out. That went out bad, and that's not. I don't think they're going to do more without Bruce Willis. So. No, kind there's no Indiana reason Jones to situation. If you put Die Hard without Bruce Willis into it, first of all, you're doing a plot that could be literally anything else. And second of all, you're drawing attention to the fact that Bruce Willis isn't in it. But isn't that Bond? Like, Bond got out of the Sean Connery business and into the Roger Moore business. Actually got into the George Lazenby business. Mm -hmm. uh, why did it? It didn't need Connery, even though he's iconic. Yeah, uh, I mean... Young McClane. That, that's a way of going about it. Um, I don't think people would put up with no one wants it you know if they just called like ex the extraction series like die hard extraction you know like no one would put up with that uh that would be exposed as the cash grab that it is that one i think gets retired uh with bruce willis i would have told you before they moved the fede alvarez uh alien uh franchise or alien movie to theaters uh that alien might be theatrically over uh, but uh, I've been proved wrong on that one. I just thought like a Disney yeah. run alien is, is not gonna uh, happen. I don't even, I don't it's even know what that's going to be. It's Century Studios, not Disney. Sure. But like uh, you, the, the, the alien attraction, uh, which I think now has become Stitch's great escape. If it's even open anymore, <laughs> that, <laughs> That used to be called Alien Encounter, and it was initially devised as a Alien, the movie franchise ride, until somebody told Michael Eisner, like, you, you can't do that, man. You're like, it's a Disney park. You gotta up. make it. Yeah. So they made it a non-IP thing, and they put uh, Alien in the great movie ride in uh, what was then called uh, Disney MGM Studios. Now I think it's oh, called yeah. Disney Hollywood Studios. And the great movie ride is closed, but that's where that, you know, property buy went. Uh, but I always appreciate uh, watching, like, videos of the original Alien Encounter and think, like, yeah, man, this is, this is an alien, like, the Alien Encounter, and it would have scared the shit out of everybody. Uh, but other than that, like, I'm very surprised that we're getting more aliens. But this is a, this is a Disney that's going to put Deadpool into the MCU. This, yeah. This is a new Disney for adults. Disney adults. Yeah, well, they finally realized, you know, what their that their IP could extend to what their prestige movie, uh, you know, touchstone used to bring to them. And so now we're going to get some adult movies, I guess, from Disney. But 
you know, that's that's what happens when you eat entire other companies uh, that have a more diverse portfolio than you. I'm going to speed through some other questions here for you, Dave. I feel like our sure. answers will not be exhaustive. But uh, so according to Reddit, 95% of the ocean remains unexplored. I think that's a pretty accurate fact. But what do you think is there? What do you think uh. that we haven't discovered in the ocean? I mean, probably some sort of uh, wild biology that proves sort of like an extreme version of the octopus that proves that oh, what extreme that, octopus yeah something where we if we trace back its uh lineage and dna it doesn't seem like it's earth created like something that proves that life was seeded from another planet i think it's what's oh, at the bottom of the ocean that's that's kind of what i was thinking too like microbial life from another planet something that that t that binds us to something that's far enough away from humans that we can't accidentally kill it by having hairspray or something like that's still alive down at the bottom of the ocean i think it's actually yeah it's gonna be i like octopus i like extreme octopus as a description <laughs> and i hope the discreet the extreme octopus sounds like john harvey kellogg as performed by anthony hopkins oh hello there <laughs> you come down to the ocean that you've never explored before let me give you an enema. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or just Cthulhu. I guess I'm just describing Cthulhu. So am I. Uh, we all are. We're always talking about Cthulhu. Um, what, is, what is, according to Reddit, people really want to know this. What is the most common reason for you to turn down sex? <laughs> the most common reason for me to turn down sex. Uh, you know what? In my old age, just like, uh, eat, eating like I ate, I ate oh, too absolutely. much. Oh, yeah. That yes. would not stop me as a person in my twenties at all. I would power through it, even if it was unenjoyable for me, because you don't turn shit down in that part of my life. There's just uh, certain but, spicy food meals that I'm just, I'm not even gonna book time. Like, don't there's don't just, expect there's, there's lots of concerns. As I get older, I get more and more concerned about if my like. You know, you poop your uh, bed. Yeah, essentially. Once my ass is exposed, <laughs> there's no barrier between all the shit that happens with my ass in old age and the shit I sleep shit. on. <laughs> shit I sleep on was a bad word choice Wait, to describe my sheets. Yeah. You sleep on shit? No wonder you're concerned. <laughs> I was watching this episode of Hoarders, and it wasn't that bad, really. No, yeah, you I, need a I, different I, word here. The, yeah. the the things that you sleep on. A bed? Cush. Uh, uh, the Comforters? sheets, the sheets that I sleep sheets. on. Uh, I uh, yeah, we definitely have sheets. We definitely have a cover on our duvet, so it wouldn't be like the end of the world if something accidentally happens. Um, but uh, I would like to avoid that. It used to be again when I was young, I'd fart and I'd know nothing was coming out. That age has ended for some reason. Uh, maybe it's like dietary based era. or yeah, or I mean the part where <laughs> I now understand just. <laughs> it is. It's probably the Baja Blast. Uh, the Baja but, Blast yeah. is what you worry about after having too much Baja Blast. <laughs> the, the, oh yeah, because it's a blast down below. I like that. See, there you um, go. I, yeah, so uh, food food related issues, I would say, is the number one reason. I'm not I worried about sex. pooping the bed. I'm just. I think I'm just too full. Like I, I should know not to. I don't want to move. I get lazy. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's. 
when I guess one when you way reach to certain frame age, it. and if you're in a in a good committed relationship, you can be too tired for such. I'm just I'm just too tired. Just too tired. <laughs> but you know what? I'm ready to do my duty if I'm called in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I I, I will go a long <laughs> way to get tagged in. Still, I just there will be no. There a is a no partner. list. That's all I'm saying. I'm a good partner. <laughs> uh, on a more somber note here. And I think you'll have a good answer to this. Which celebrity death shocked you the most? Which celebrity death shocked Which me celebrity, the most? Celebrity death. Celebrity is what I just said. What celebrity death shocked you the most? I have an answer that came immediately to mind. Yeah, when, go for it. When, when Robin Williams died. Oh, um, yeah. I lost my mind because I don't know why this was in my mind in like the late 90s or early 2000s. When I started, when I realized that the people I watched in movies would one day die, of course, me, movie person, would start framing mortality around, like, movie stars and actors and, and being like, one day they'll stop making movies. The people I love who make movies will, will not be here to make them anymore. And, and Ron Williams was definitely that guy for me in the mid-90s when it was like, Jumanji and Patch Adams, and then I went back and watched Dead Poets Society, and then I got Goodwill Hunting. Like, he was my guy, and um, he died. He died young, and uh, and in a way that I'm not even going to describe what happened because I'm not even sure these days of what's like asphyxiation. Or it was it was pretty grisly and, and upsetting. Um, and he was dealing with so much in his personal life that I don't want to even try to understand. Um, but like it was so real and so sudden. And that really shocked me more than anything, because when I was young, I always thought, like, Rob, if Robin Williams will die, and I will be upset about it. And it won't be now, but it will be eventually. And it was, like, the moment I had been thinking about since I was a mm. kid. So, that really hit that me. That is kind of um, eerie, yeah. Yeah. And that was 2014 if... now, so we're almost, like, ten years out from that. It feels even longer ago than than that, I didn't realize, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, that one I remember hitting really hard, and then also I've been seeing, like, Mel Brooks quotes and photos for some reason mm. today on my socials, and so the fact that, like, funny men can live for extremely long periods of time uh, really points out how uh, Robin Williams, you know, didn't, and we missed out on a whole bunch of excellent comedy, I'm sure of. Mine's a little more fun. Because I don't think we necessarily missed out on anything, but it was incredibly shocking when it happened. On June 25th, 2009, Michael Jackson died. Oh, man. I, I was thinking about that, too. And uh, not only was nobody expecting it, he was only 50 years old, uh, but the reaction lasted for what felt like days. Um, you, I would, could walk down the streets in New York and people were just playing Michael Jackson out of the windows uh all the coffee shops michael jackson uh even some of the like bars and clubs uh, that would normally be playing different types of music michael jackson and everybody was fine with it uh then you know we got to relitigate his existence afterwards and come to terms with it and you if you don't listen to michael jackson now no one's gonna blame you but when that happened it was shocking and everybody sort of mourned together publicly at least that was my experience that was right when i got on twitter 2009 oh. you said yeah yeah that was right around the I, I remember exactly where i was when i found out the michael jackson news too i was working on a 
on a television show with Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black. Michael and Michael have issues. That was on Comedy Central for one season. No one watched it. Kumail was on it. I know Kumail. Um, and I remember I was in the office. We were printing scripts, and we had a prop, uh, like a giant. It wasn't. It was a giant costume of a polar bear, and I was wearing the polar bear head and like dancing around the office, making, you know, amber-colored script pages to insert into the white pages of the script. And then I heard Michael Jackson died, and I was still wearing the polar bear head. And someone took a picture, and I just will never forget that moment where I was dressed as a polar bear, learning that Michael Jackson had died. And, <laughs> and I was looking at Twitter. I also remember looking at Twitter for, like, the first time. So that would have been two years after the launch of Twitter, when people started to finally be on it. Um, what a weird... And as you said, like, it just hung in the air for so long. Uh, yeah. So it was very strange. And I never had a personal attachment to... Michael Jackson's music or or anything. He was just the, the king of pop. Yeah, king of pop. I did. We had a, a whole bunch of Michael Jackson specials on VHS tape. Uh, we had Moonwalker on VHS tape. Have you ever seen the Moonwalker? Uh, the movie or the short the movie, movie film? The movie film? It's a complete movie film made up of shorts. But it oh, is okay. a movie. Joe Pesci's in it. As the yeah, villain. I think I've seen that. I, I have stronger recollections of the Stephen King short film that he did where yeah. he plays a dancing skeleton and they play that on VH1 every Halloween. Um, mm -hmm. I also played the Moonwalker video game in oh, yeah. an arcade in Atlanta once and uh, I have memories of that. But not fond memories of the Moonwalker movie. What does he do I mean, in that? Okay, so at the there's a couple of like shorts at the beginning that are all kind of ridiculous uh, one is like a recreation of the bad music video, but with child actors. Uh, one is about Michael Jackson uh, trying to move between uh, sound stages where he's filming music videos and like a studio tour drives by and he's hounded by all of these fans that lead him on a high speed claymation chase uh, to Speed Demon, the song, um, and at which point he turns into a rabbit at one point. The very crazy. Then it transitions to the main story, which is a, about a bunch of orphans who see a star falling from the sky, and that star becomes a person who goes to a club where they watch him dance and sing "Smooth Criminal." Uh, and then I remember that that video. So wait, these are all stitching together existing music videos, basically, because the the "Smooth Criminal" video where he's a gangster came out pretty... of the movie. It did. Oh, okay. So that's, uh, they basically just cut out the characters watching him and the Smooth Criminal video still works as a Smooth Criminal video. But my understanding is the movie is basically like a quote-unquote visual album, but it's like a mix of uh, music videos that Michael Jackson wouldn't be allowed to make uh, so otherwise. before there was Lemonade, there was Moonwalker. Right, except there, it ends with like this big story where Michael Jackson's an alien and it's being chased by Joe Pesci and Michael Jackson's also trying to rescue these orphans uh, and eventually Michael Jackson turns into a car and then mm -hmm, that car mm -hmm. turns into a robot mm -hmm. and then that oh, yes, robot yes. turns into a rocket I've definitely and that's seen how that. the movie ends. Yeah, yeah. That's actually it's, how he died. Uh, he turned into a rocket and just blasted off. He didn't mm -hmm. Die. Poochie died on his way, he went the back way to, his home, home to his home planet. planet. Yeah. That's how Men in Black factors in, too. He's an alien on the screen in that movie. Right. 
uh, that Ooh. keeps it in the moon, the Moonwalker <laughs> continuity. That was me just casually sighing. Um, are you? Have you caught wind that Airbnb is doing terribly? Yeah, the bubble seems to have uh, burst. Yeah, that like it could trigger a housing market crash. That people are like cutting loose their Airbnbs because no one wants to stay in Airbnb. We um, didn't listen to Christian Bale in The Big Short or Margot Robbie in The Big Short. We didn't listen to anybody in The Big Short. We didn't, we didn't listen to The Big Short. We turned it off. I like The Big Short. The Big Short's okay. Yeah, it's I'm fine. I'm glad David's not here to tell me I'm an idiot for thinking that. I, I think there's a interesting point to the Adam McKay yelling at the audience movies. I just don't know if we found the formula for a winning version of that yet. Uh, but I, I find them perfectly enjoyable. I like my first content or my first comment my first content. to the uh, representative outside of don't look up was people are going to hate this, but I really liked how mean it was. And that's that's, you know, you could take that movie. There's a lot of things I would like explained to me through by, you know, Margot Robbie in the bathtub. That's fine. That's fine with me. I mean, it definitely led to succession. So people need to be thankful for the big short on some level. Um, are you, are you, here's the Reddit question. Are you cheering for, are you cheering for an Airbnb collapse? Do you want the company to implode? Do you want Airbnb culture to go away? Do you have feel, any feelings on this whatsoever? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it exploding. I mean, here's the thing. Every time you get one of these, like, app versions of, uh, a pre-existing service, a disruption service, you know, Uber and Lyft replacing sure. cabs. Uh, those products are sometimes cheaper, uh, but that value is disappearing somewhere else as well. I would love to still be able to take a cab ride with a knowledgeable, licensed cab driver who, uh, you know, isn't going to, uh, you know, be a sex pest or anything like that that'd be great uh airbnb i haven't had that many bad experiences with but i am aware there are bad experiences and also like buying up homes in pop in areas where the population needs those homes to use for airbnb i could speak specifically with denver this happens a lot so i can't speak for your town but from the data i've seen this is what's happening is like the pandemic happened locking people into their cities but then they also got freed up by remote work once vaccines and tests started getting rolling out. So suddenly there was this huge investment opportunity in Airbnbs. You could buy a house in basically anywhere and Airbnb it out. And there was a good chance that someone was going to travel to it. They could work remotely, blah, blah, blah. As those things contract, the housing market is now fucking on fire. If you want a house, you're going to be paying a lot more than you would have been paying previously. Yeah. And a lot of that, and there's lots of homeless uh, population booms as well. And uh, some of that could have been solved if you weren't using a lot of our livable properties <laughs> to rent out uh, two days every other week. And for those houses, probably sitting empty. They're not renting. I mean, according to like revenue reports, obviously no one is staying in them. Uh, people have bought up houses that are that are empty. Yeah, one one stat I saw was that. There's like a million Airbnb VRBO rental houses in the U.S. and 500, 60, 70,000 homes for sale, um, mm -hmm. 
which seems fairly dramatic. <laughs> like, but well, I don't know a... what happens if that like collapses and people sell the houses. I mean, is that does that create a market crash? I need to watch the Big Short. I guess uh, again. I I'm uh, as somebody who's not uh, who does not own their house. I'm still a renter. Uh, I feel would feel bad about a housing crash, but it also seems like uh, such a weird volatile market uh i would kind of be in favor of it uh b bubble markets are something that you could burn down and start over we've noticed and so i would like to start over with the housing market and airbnb that'd be great then maybe i could think about you know actually owning a home but uh, right now doesn't doesn't seem great yeah i got lucky i i bought a home before the pandemic right before Mm -hmm. And it turned out I accidentally made a very good decision because at the time I was like, am I falling into something? Why am I dramatically changing my life just because I saw a place that would be good for my family? Um, and now the people around me are just buying up, I don't know, much more, or it costs much more to live where I am than I, than it was when I moved. I feel very fortunate, but I don't, I don't know what's in store. I got to watch the big short again. Let's watch the big short. Should we cover the big yeah. short here? Invest yeah. in water. That was my big takeaway. I mean, the big shorts, yeah, investing in water is always a good plan. Let's watch Mad Max Fury Road again. Invest in water. I'm not entirely sure that anyone should own their home, uh, but uh, that's a different issue for a bigger conversation, I suppose. What is a common saying that is false and people need to stop saying it? Common saying that's false and people need to stop saying it. The grass is always greener. Is, you don't think the grass is always greener? No, that's just envy. Like, wh why are we comparing ourselves? Like, fuck that. My life's great. Your life seems great too. I just wouldn't want us to switch. I see. Be, yeah, have, be, enjoy your own green grass. Exactly, yeah. It, it, worry about your own green grass. Maybe don't have grass. Depending on what uh, climate you live in, maybe you should get some rocks, some native plants. Well, you know, don't worry about the grass being greener. That's a whole bunch of waste of water slash somebody's time. You took this in a mantra ideological ref uh, direction, which I think Reddit did too, because most people are saying be yourself is the worst thing that people say, um, because terrible people should not be themselves. That's an interesting... Oh, that's like logic. the argument about whether The Incredibles has a good moral or <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Don't self-actualize. Um, my my gripe is begs the question. I don't know. Is that a, a saying? I don't know. People need to stop saying begs the question, which is not. They don't mean that. I, they mean raise the question, Dave. Begs the question is something else. Begs the question is when you say, when you repeat yourself, when you explain your point by just saying the point again. Begs the question is not raising a question. And people need to learn this. I'm tired. Oh. I'm tired, Dave. Yeah, I don't think I really knew that. I thought begs the question meant the statement is begging for the follow-up question. The begs the question would be, this is maybe a bad example, but I'm trying to be blunt, which is like, if you ask me why the sky is blue, I would say, oh, because this, uh, blue is, is the most common color of the sky. Oh, it answers the question by... Po reposing the question. I see what Basically, you're talking about. Yes. So I'm begging the question. As opposed to this movie has provoked 
an interesting train of thought. It, it begs the question, blah, blah, blah. No, that raises the question, everybody. That's raising oh. the question. Yeah, no, I, I think I might have been using it wrong, but no, no longer no just longer. for you, Patches. Your life has changed. <laughs> Isn't that what we want from a fighting in the war room? Here's a good way to, to conclude. What's something that you are convinced that people are only pretending to hate? Now, I feel like this question that Reddit is posing assumes that people pretend to hate things. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I... I feel like everyone's hate is pretty genuine. I, I think they're probably on, talking on about performative, performative hate. Performative hate. What do you think people like, performatively what? hate? I had, a, I had, a, I had a, a gut answer, but I want to see... I feel like we might arrive on the same one. What do people performatively hate? Pretending to hate. That they actually like. Why would people spend the energy to performatively hate something? What's uh, the gain Crocs. from hating? Crocs. People hate Crocs? I think people performatively hate Crocs. What do Crocs do? I don't know, man. I think that, you know, if you could build a comfortable <laughs> foam shoe, that's, you know, more power right, to that's you. that's what I mean. Like, and you can put little pins in the front holes. I bet people hate Crocs. You give your answer, I'm going to find someone who hates Crocs. My answer is Marvel movies. Oh, okay. I think that people gripe about them because they are the biggest thing in the world. Even when they don't do that well, they're still huge, and they take mm -hmm. up, they block out so much of the sun whenever they happen. But that they almost always go over well. Like even the bad ones are just like, ah, Ant Man and the and the Wasp: Quantumania. Okay, like not an A plus, just a a B minus, C plus time. Like I, I think people are out to really hate the bad ones when they can. Because the most of them are just pretty solid. Never, yeah. never A plus movies. They're never gonna be on my top ten of the year. Endgame I rewatched recently. Pretty, pretty. I, I mean, even even when I'm talking about like the highest successes of Marvel, it is about assembling movies, keeping a run going. You know, different uh, technological advances, a performance I really like. Uh, you're right. There's never. I would be very surprised if we start seeing like Marvel movies pop up in like very serious top film lists uh, anytime in the future because they're amazing, but not in a like this is the best thing I've ever seen uh, sort of way. So I would agree with you. People It'd definitely be hard for Marvel hate. to reinvent the wheel at this stage. It's not what they're. It's not what Kevin Feige is trying to do. He wants the movies to always hit the same note so that you recognize it, you feel the, the Soma effect, and you feel comforted. It doesn't need to be your favorite movie of the year. It needs to be guaranteed good time at the movies. And I actually think they're pretty close to that. So that when you have like a Thor Love and Thunder or a Quantumania, the, the detractors are like, this fucking sucks. This is the I worst. When I run across people who say their favorite movie is any sort of superhero movie, uh, I don't tell them they're wrong, but I do put them in a category in my mind of uh, either very serious superhero person or unserious cinema person. But the people who hate them, do you feel similarly? Yeah. 
yeah, I feel a lot of that is just, uh, yeah, like we're saying, performatively, like bandwagon hate. Um, like, if you hate one thing about a Marvel thing, you could join the club of people who dislike it, which is fine, because I have been tapped into the, you know, quote-unquote haters club since Batman v Superman in terms of, like, the DC universe. I'm still getting tweet replies to people saying, like, I've just been trolling DC for, like, ten years, or I'm like, I'm not replying this, but I probably should. They had better movies. I would have shit to say about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand how it feels like a group of people who really dislike a very popular thing can feel like you are a group of elevated critics who have noticed something that everybody else has, uh, you know, been suckered by. But the reality is that's the exact same mentality of Joe Rogan doctors need to debate me, uh, which is false. It's, it's a straw man hate. Uh, it's a, it's a group. It's a mind think, uh, and it's a grass is always greener think, and I hate it. Doctors do not need to debate Joe Rogan. They need to be, debate us on the next episode of Fighting the War Room. So let's put the call out. Doctors, debate us about Marvel movies? Um, the natural conclusion of this rambling podcast, Dave, is actually talking about the latest Marvel product, which I don't think our co-hosts are going to want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And it's called right. Secret Invasion, and it's on Disney+. Plus. And I don't think it's making a splash. I don't think people no. are talking about this show two episodes in of its six-episode miniseries run. Samuel L. Jackson gets his own show. This should be big. Ben Mendelsohn, people love him. He's on it yeah. as a scroll, yeah. a shape-shifting green alien. People yeah. don't care. This is, not, this is not happening, basically. But it is. What do you think I, Well, I've only seen two episodes, so I don't know 100% where they're going, but I do have a better idea of the shape than I did probably last week. I see what they're trying. I think it's oddly timed uh, in terms of the last two Marvel movies people have gotten to see uh, are you know, goo, inner space shit, and outer space ra space raccoon shit. And then so then to be like, remember the political shit uh, is a little bit of whiplash, especially since our next project that comes out is the Marvels, which is going to be back into space shit. Um, and I do think it's a uh, pretty bad timing to be doing a story about a whole bunch of intergalactic immigrants moving to Russia and trying to start a world war. <laughs> I feel like those are a lot of hot topic Why, issues. Is there something going on? Oh, okay. Uh, that uh, it's, it's touching on. But I will say this. At the end of the two episodes that I've seen, uh, they've had proper cliffhangers. This feels like a, you know, issue one of six, issue two of six, like classic comic book run. Uh, they're building to, like, uh, some sort of deep emotional Nick Fury stuff. I feel like... Um, even though I completely agree with you that uh, statistics uh, slash general buzz uh, shows this as performing, underperforming, I do think it's possible that it can be a series that once it's all out there, people can find and enjoy more on its level. 
uh i just think it's really whiplashy especially with like disney shows uh to have a special effects show where the special effects and the action aren't really that good and what is good is these actors just starting to finally dig into these characters that were surface level on screen because they had to be and getting the room to sort of expand it yeah. uh, i love having i love having amelia clark back on television so i'll take that Me too. um terminator genesis uh amelia clark yeah i'm more tuning in to see like the best scene of secret wars so far is Nick Fury and Rhodey uh, having a conversation about being black men? That was in the government. most episode, I think. Yeah, I mean, to the, speaking to that scene where Rhodey's like, "I'm here to arrest you," or "I'm here to fire, fire you. you," and I wanted to do it personally because I don't want. I mean, the insinuation is like, I don't want white men in power to do it. Like, we are black men. Let's have this conversation together. Um, and it's like pretty intense for marvel that has never broached this subject ever have ha, can you think of any time in marvel movie or tv history when someone has talked about race other than maybe like oh, miss marvel falcon and the winter soldier was all about that uh but was it yeah, you, they'll never let a black man be Captain America, um, says you're right. the old person we experimented Ro on. It's like Rhodey like, constantly coming into these shows and being like, let's talk about black America. <laughs> Rhodey was also on Falcon Winter Soldier, doing the yeah. exact same thing. I mean, that's important, but the reason it is Rhodey is because character-wise, he's been around since Iron Man. Sure, yeah. Uh, different actor, he is the but character-wise. Character. No, yeah. He is the legacy character. That's why eventually we'll get Armor Wars. That's why I'm uh, wary of his scroll status, uh, because what would be more emotional than realizing a roadie who's been asleep through the death of Tony Stark, and he wakes up to that, and then he wakes up to being the heir apparent, and maybe he doesn't want to work for the government anymore, and maybe he wants to you repair Tony Stark's legacy. You think Rhodey this whole time legacy. has been a That's your prediction here? That's the level of uh, reveals I think this show is capable of, and I think it would be an interesting character beat wow. that would give Rhodey a character, because he still isn't one. His character is the right. man. Well, that's what I mean. Um, he walks into these different shows, it's like, I'm giving you the message, or I'm sending, I'm telling you the theme of the show. Um, and, and that's, while I do appreciate that scene, I'm just like, this Secret Invasion is getting heavy in a way that I admire a little bit. Like, let's get the mature version of the MCU, or get some politics in there. But it, it, it's still very surface level, like, mm -hmm. and I'm not just talking about the thematic text like i can't, i can't i don't find myself digging deep with the actors i'm not like feeling the dialogue of that scene it's not getting under my skin i can recognize that it's pretty intense theme wise for the the mcu to tackle this but i'm just like i i samuel jackson's not knocking me out i'm not feeling heavy thriller it's not ticker taylor it's not born like i'm not right getting right. knocked out by the conspiracy element no one's tapping francis ford coppola doing the conversation or alan pakula films conspiracy films or something like it's not dizzying in that way even though anyone could be a scrawl or there's terrorism plots brewing and in the first episode the one major dies and they they fail to stop a terrorist plot 
for some reason it, it's not achieving that tension for me and i don't know if it's just not the screws mm. aren't tight enough it's not taut thriller it's still kind of bloated mcu baggage whatever trying to remind us who the scrolls are there's a lot of hand holding through hey just in case you didn't see captain marvel or like don't this is why i don't want to bring the avengers in uh, yeah yeah like I'm, there's still a lot of that work and i don't know why it feels a little flaccid because it seems like the pieces are there to be taught it's just it, there's no momentum right now my my ago. hope is it had to handhold us through at least episode two it's like the first third we gotta know why the avengers aren't there we gotta know why everybody's mad at nick fury we gotta know that they're building the super scroll uh you know all these things are planted uh, but I think how the second episode ended, we're really going to dig down on what happens when you're a bad dad because you had a bigger, bigger fish to fry. Uh, we've seen that with Talos, and I don't know if it happened for sure, but when we first saw young Gravik, he was with the person who's now Nick Fury's wife. So does that mean oh, he tried you've... to adopt Gravik oh. and it's actually it's actually Nick Fury versus his son? Like... They could drill down on the characters and not let it expand to Super Scrolls take on Washington. And I think that would be very beneficial if the spycraft uh, marketing has actually also been a red herring. And we're really talking about fathers and children. And it, instead of getting bigger and bigger, it starts to get smaller and smaller. I would love for that to happen. That sounds a little more exciting. Uh, well, there's four more episodes of Secret Invasion. Two of them are on Disney Plus, if you dare. There's more Marvel to come. We're getting a Loki season two. For Dave. forever. Yes, we Jonathan are. Jonathan Majors is back on TV this fall. Yep. Apparently. That's gonna happen. That's gonna That's happen. That's gonna happen. <laughs> um, but this, this has been great. We did a podcast without our, our friends. I don't know what we did thought it. was more important than this, but. No them. transitions, and I didn't need to do music breaks. That's how good we People are. People will miss patches. that. People like your music breaks. Well, they'll be back once we have more hosts, and it's harder to freely transition between subjects. Uh, that does it for this week's Fighting <laughs> in the War Room. Uh, until we come back next week, uh, tell the people who you are, Matt Patches. I am Matt Patches. I'm executive editor over at Polygon.com. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, Letterbox at Mr. Patches. We have a website, fightingintheworldroom.com. You've probably reviewed every Marvel thing. Talked about that since 2011 or whenever we started doing this. Um, Indiana Jones, we wouldn't have been able to talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but I think we did an episode wondering why David thought it was good. Um, yeah, that does go, sound familiar. Go back to that as well. Um, and certainly lots of uh, sophisticates adjacent babble in the in the archive. So fightingintheworm.com. Go listen to an old episode. If you want to review this show, not just this episode, but the show as a whole, you could. We would like you to direct that in the Apple Podcast app. Uh, five stars. Say anything. We'll read it uh, out loud on the show. It doesn't have to be five stars, but we appreciate it. Um, if you have other things uh, that you want to contact us with, or have left an email on an international iTunes store that we can't see, please copy that review over and send it to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. That way we can read it on the show. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can follow me on Twitter at DA7E and make sure to hop by the MCUbook.com if you want 
take a look at the Marvel history that I helped write that comes out in October. All right, we did it.